0: It seems like it's, we've been in it for generations. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. We've been taking several weeks to really uh, talk about what needs to be passed from one generation to another. In fact, if you were here the very first week when we launched this series, you heard me uh, speaking out of uh, Titus chapter 2 and the need for the older uh, to teach the younger. And that it would take two things. It would take older ones who are willing to be vulnerable and honest And open and really tell the nitty-gritty of their experience and then on the other end it would take younger people who really listened well and and gleaned uh, out of older people's wisdom and experience the things that they needed for to make wise decisions in their lives and so today I'm excited because I've got uh, three ones who are going to join me and uh, they're gonna share from their experience now they're not coming as experts we don't really have any experts. We only have regular people at Hillcrest, so that's what we have: is regular people who are just like you and I, but who have gone through some stages of parenting and marriage and and walking with Jesus, and uh, and through that they they have stuff that I think is going to be very valuable for to to hear and that they're going to share this morning. Um, you'll remember at that very, if you were here, that very first message that I gave, I practically begged the older generation, please. Tell us what you know, even if you're just telling us the mistakes you made. Because we don't want to make the exact same mistakes just because we didn't see that, you know, pit in the you know in the road. We, we want to be able to walk around that because you're helping us. And so that's what they're doing today. They're just really helping us. So they'll sh- probably share some stuff they did right and some mistakes that they made, some struggles that they had. But through it all, I hope that you'll be able to take away something that's helpful for you. Especially since our church is so full of, there's younger um, uh, married people, younger parents, younger singles in our church. Um, I'm hoping that all of you can uh, take away at least a few really uh, concrete things today that will help you and you as you walk with Christ, uh, in you, if you're married, in your marriage, if you're parent, in your parenting, and that it'll be a blessing. So without further ado, I'm going to invite uh, Sheldon Strom. And Doug and Arlene Richmond to come join me on the stage. Let's give them a great big welcome here. All right, I'll tell you a little bit about these guys real quick. They're gonna you're gonna get to know them pretty well in a few moments here, but I'll tell you some stuff about them. Uh Shelda? Shelda is a wonderful uh, woman of God. I love Shelda. She has. Let's see, you've got three boys. You raised three boys, uh, which I, we can commiserate together. Anyhow, uh, she raised three boys, and uh, now those boys have grown up and moved away, and now you have seven grandkids, right. right? Right. All girls except for one.
1: Yeah, six girls and one boy.
0: Okay. Wow. So your kids are having a totally different experience. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're okay with less boys. All the boys.
1: fancy dresses you can buy that you couldn't buy for your sons. Uh, okay.
0: So you disciplined your sons and now you're spoiling your granddaughters. Right. Awesome. <laughs> now you, now one thing I, Shelda, two and a half years ago Shilda's, uh husband Jim passed away, right? Two and a half right. years. Right, he
1: died from cancer.
0: Yeah, and you've been married?
1: We were married 42
0: years. Okay, 42 years okay so many of you would know Jim of course because he was on the radio and lots in fact even after he passed away occasionally I heard an ad with his voice in it he's got probably the most pleasing sounding voice I always was a little bit jealous as a preacher Mm -hmm. but uh he's anyhow a wonderful guy and we all uh love Jim and and uh but we're glad you're here to share what you're going to share with us today Thank you. Yes. Now, Doug and Arlene Richmond. Now, you guys have been married about 41, almost 42 years. 41. Okay, I mean 41 years. years. Okay. Yep. And now you've got three kids as well. So, um, what? boy, girl, boy. Boy, girl, boy. Boy, girl, boy. And now, are, are any of them here today? Just
2: <laughs> 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 Yes, we have our oldest son is here. In oh, house.
0: your favorite yeah, is here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We're not allowed to have favorites, are we? Okay, or not officially, anyhow. Okay, so then, uh, and now you have six grandkids as well? Is that right? Yes,
2: we so, do. Okay, three and three. Three and, and three. three. Oh, police, you yeah. guys,
0: look at that. Perfect equality. Okay, three and three. So uh, I'm going to, I want to jump into the nitty-gritty of uh, what we sh- want to share about. Now, we asked a number of weeks ago, we asked people to do two things. We gave out these little cards in the service, we asked people to write down what were some topics or some areas where you would like wisdom? Like, things you really want to know more about, and where you struggle, and where you want to learn. And if you could ask people who are older than, wiser than you, how, you know, for some wisdom, what would you ask about? And so people filled that out, and you know, most of the results were, the the biggest response we got must have been from young parents, because parenting was number one. Uh, Marriage also was something people were asking about. People also generally asked about just walking with God or just relating to God Those are probably the three dominant themes that came out in all the cards that we got back and then we asked for well Give us some people that you'd like to hear this from and we actually got quite a few answers on that So I was encouraged to see how many people uh, are esteemed and held up as wide wise people in our church and then out of that grouping, I had lots of choices, I uh, assembled this panel today, and we might do another panel in two weeks, but we're going to see how this one goes first, right? Okay. Thanks. (laughs) I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. I have total confidence. Anyhow, but so, so these are, we're talking about some of the topics you asked about, and we brought up some of the people you asked to do some of the talking on that, so that's, that's sort of how we got to this point. So... We're going to start with parenting as, as the first topic we want to talk about. And uh, maybe um, I've got here starting with Arlene, so maybe I'll just stick, I'll stick with that. Arlene, I know parents don't always get it right. Sometimes they make mistakes, and it takes a big person to admit some of the mistakes that they learn, but the mistakes that are sometimes the most helpful thing for us who are just about to make those exact same mistakes. So tell us a little bit about that, and tell us about... Um, it's challenging, I think. We're in a very, we are in very—we have a very busy world. We're parenting in a very busy world now. Uh, could, can you just get us started? Talk to us about parenting, some of the mistakes we might make and, and in this world that we're living.
2: Well, first of all, I'm not a professional. Anyways, um, I think that I'll start with uh, a verse that when you're a parent, you often read in the Bible, and it's Proverbs 22, 6, saying, uh, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. When my kids were younger, I took that to mean this is the way I think you should go, and this is the only way, and this is the right way. Uh, tradition, you know. Um, and and then we were, I was, I said taking, but I think actually we were teaching the Sunday school class. And as we were teaching it, we were learning that we needed to pay attention to our child. How did God create them? What are their strengths, their weaknesses? How best that can I encourage that growth? And I, I remember when coming home from, after doing this one Sunday and just saying, I wish I'd learned this when they were babies. They didn't come with an instruction manual. And... Uh, Anyhow, um, <clears throat> so um, God, what are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? And what are their motivational gifts? Their spiritual gifts? Their love languages? Those kind of things. Um, it is not always easy because sometimes their gifts are not your gifts at all, and uh, and the, and that's tot- totally foreign to you. Now I'm going to take an example of not my kids, but. My mother-in-law and myself, um, I took the Love Languages course, and that was when I realized that my mother-in-law had been telling me for almost 25 years that she loved me, and I didn't understand it because my love language was not giving, and that was hers. And she was giving me stuff all the time and giving me and giving. And I remember saying to her, you love me, and she goes, yeah, (laughs) yeah. but I didn't realize that because that was not my love language. And that so often when you're uh, you're with your kids, you'll be just, and they're like, they're frustrating you. And they're just trying to say, love me, in the way that I understand. Um, The next thing I thought was, you need to say you're sorry. As a parent... We're learning along with our kids, and each child is so different. We haven't got everything figured out, and so we'll blow it sometimes. And being willing to say, I'm sorry, when we've done just that, lets, us, lets them know that we are willing to be vulnerable and to learn. And I think even sometimes when I, when we, and I, did, I have to say this I didn't do, but... When, I, when, when I've blown it, it may be because of sin in my own life. And I need to just say, kids, I'm sorry. I just sinned. And I need to ask the Lord to forgive me. And I need to ask you to forgive me as well and say I'm sorry. And that I will um, learn from that. And, uh, and that we, we will improve together. Um, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says, "For I know the plans I have for you," declares the Lord, "plans to prosper you and not to harm you; plans to give you a hope and a future." When looking at the word "prosper," you may think money, uh, wealth, all the things that the world would say is prospering. But to me, when I read that verse, it means the soul, the person. The children of Israel were in exile. When this verse was given to them, uh, they were told to, to prosper in the place that they were. And that is what I think we need to tell our kids. We need to, you need to prosper where you are. Is it at school? Right now when you're in school, you know, what, how um, can you learn from that situation? Are you in your team are you on a baseball team, a, you know, soccer, soccer team, a hockey team, those kind of things? Um, what is God teaching you? Because he's not just in church. He's everywhere. He's in everything. And so what is he teaching you during those times when you maybe have a, a, an issue with a teammate or the coach or whatever? How can you, how, how can God use you, you in this situation Um, how, and how can this prosper your soul, make you stronger, make you better, make you more like Christ? That's
0: cool. Now, I'm going to step up and grab my pen, because I need to take notes, all right? So, I'm (laughs) going to grab this. You know, i I was just mentally thinking, I am not going to remember to write this down, but uh, I love that. Be a student of your kids, right? Learn what, what it looks like, how God has made them. That's awesome. Can I just throw in, before I jump, I'm going to jump to you next, Doug, here, but can I just throw in really quickly about that verse? Uh, Just something from a pastoral perspective. I won't interject very much. Um, uh, Train up your child in the way you should go, and when they're old, they will not depart from it. Sometimes it's been, like, the biggest um, difficult verse for parents who later on get into a scenario where their kids have seemingly departed from the ways they were trained up in. And... um, Can I just help you a little bit with that it's a proverb and proverbs are not promises so for example let me give you another example a proverb like um, uh, uh, I'm gonna paraphrase here but do you see a man who's diligent in his work he will stand before kings so does everybody who's diligent in their work end up standing before a king no they don't all some of them labor in obscurity but the general trend is when you're diligent in your work you will stand before people who are important someday because people will recognize that. But it doesn't always get recognized. So you see, with most of the Proverbs, there's a general trend. It's wisdom. This is generally what happens. But it isn't an ironclad guarantee. And so I just want to just take the wind out of some of the guilt that's in a lot of parents' lives. I know lots of parents that I hold in high regard who did an incredible job of raising their children, and their children have gone off in a totally different way the thing is it's not a promise that you can override your children's free will train up a child in the way it should go and they will not depart for it is talking about a general trend it generally has very positive results even i've even seen this so many times where a kid is raised to know about jesus and all those things and they're raised in a good and loving home and they grow up and they sometimes abandon their faith And yet they're still sort of living off the fumes of their faith. And they don't even realize it. I've been a youth pastor for 15 years. I see it all the time where it's like, oh, I've I've chosen this totally different way. And you realize that you learned to love from your parents. You learned what community was like from the church. You learned all these things. You've got all these ingrained skills that make life work inside of you because Jesus entered your family tree and transformed your parents. And you just don't understand the source. And you haven't come back to it yet right so that's a reality but they're still prospering in life because those biblical principles actually work in life and uh, so anyhow I want to just throw that out there if you are as a parent and you look at that verse and feel like I obviously didn't train them up right um, even the best parent we know which is God had children who rebelled okay so don't please don't now, this is not a call to not train up your children in the way it should go. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Do it. But realize, realize it's not a, a way to override your kid's free will. They have a free will. They will choose to love God or reject God. And that sounds scary to even talk about it that way. But they actually have, God's given them that ability. Okay? So when you train them up, and so that's, that's where I run into sometimes people go, well, four of my kids are living for God and one isn't did I fail or did I get 80% uh, I've seen lots who've done an incredible job raising well and the kids have not necessarily chosen well and I've seen ones who did let's say it a poor job raising their kids and their kids chose well shocker when that happens right so please let's just can we do that is that okay is that okay as a, for a pastoral moment Let's understand that verse in its context and how it, and it is a very powerful verse. We should be quoting it and memorizing it and saying it to ourselves as parents. But let's understand it. Let's not make a proverb, which is a, a general promise about how things normally work, into an ironclad guarantee. That I don't think it's meant to be. Is that okay? Who's with me on that? Anyone? Okay, good. We'll move forward because I I just when I hear that verse I think awesome verse misused, and to to many parents, they're living in shame and regret and great hurt inside, and really thinking, I must have been a terrible parent. And that's not necessarily the case. In fact, often the ones I know who feel the most anguish over this verse, it's not the case. And uh, so I just want to... Anyhow. Now I really got us on a rabbit trail, so we're going to have to get back on. Okay. So Doug, tell us a little bit. Doug, we were talking before, and you were talking about a little bit about some of the Things that you maybe you stumbled into along the way about chatting with your uh, your uh, your kids uh, when they get into the older years, like teen years, young adult years. Do you want to share a little bit about that? You, yes. Oh, okay. Some
3: some of this is even quite recent, but I want to share the words to a song here that brought some of it back. You're always learning as a parent. In fact, I've been watching our kids as parents and one of the big things that I saw recently was they were talking to their kids about their feelings yeah I started even knowing a little more about that Mm -hmm. and I got called up short once where one of the kids said you're not listening and I just had to we'll talk about this a little later about the busyness of parents and he thought yeah I've got to you know be listening more and uh, involved but one of the things that I I remember a lot as in their teen years what really would bother me was the peer pressure that the kids were facing at school and I was just don't fall to that like what is God saying and uh, just within the last year here this uh, Mercy Me has released a song it's called Your Younger Me and uh, I like to encourage a lot of the kids where they're at and even as parents what we've grown up through it starts out, dear younger me, where do I start? Sorry. Had a really good time on the tractor with this one the other day even. So (laughs) if I could tell you everything I've learned so far, then you could be one step ahead of all the painful memories still running through my head. I wonder how much different things would be, dear younger me. Dear younger me, I cannot decide, do I give some speech about how to get the most of your life or do I go deep and try to change the choices that you'll make because they're the choices that made me. Even though I love this crazy life, sometimes I wish it was a smoother ride, dear younger me. If I knew then what I know now, condemnation would have had no power and that's i underlined that one because it's there is peer pressure and there's condemnation in that peer pressure in second corinthians 10 5 just says bring those thoughts captive under christ what is god saying what are his promises not what is society or the culture saying what is god saying because that's the bottom line in this my joy my pain would have never been my worth If I knew then what I know now, would have not been hard to figure out what I would have changed if I had heard. Dear younger me, it's not your fault. You were never meant to carry this beyond the cross. The cross is a finished work. And then this is what God says. You are holy, you are righteous. You are one of the redeemed, set apart a brand new heart. You are free indeed. Every mountain, every valley, through each heartache you will see, every moment brings you closer to 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 who you were meant to be, dear younger me. And there's just a comment I saw the other day, without rain, nothing grows. So when we have those challenges and look to God, but without rain, nothing grows. And uh, those hard times where we can learn and and uh,
0: yeah, so. cool. Well, Sheldon, there's two out of three crying here, so I don't know if we're gonna. <laughs> and you were the one who said you were gonna cry, so I don't know. Can you hold it together just so we can balance it out? <laughs>
1: well, I can do all things through Christ in strengthen
0: me. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, Sheldon, so. Y- you told me once, you said marriage was a breeze, <laughs> and uh, but it was parenting that was the real challenge for you. So uh, lots of us can relate to the parenting challenge. So uh, sometimes uh, tell us a little bit about your journey and tell us some of the things you learned from it. So.
1: Well, uh, we had three sons two years apart, so it was challenging just... Uh, I look at some of the mums at mums time out and I see them trailing all these little kids and I think back, yeah, it takes a lot to raise kids. And uh, I guess our oldest son was a very strong-willed child. So I found that there seemed to be a lot of conflict often. You'd say, come here, and he'd run the other way. And it just seems uh, constantly trying to teach them what to do right and... And I look back and I think that we were probably a lot. Your first child, you're so hard on because you don't know anything about parenting and you want them to be perfect. And
0: if you want to like hug Shelda afterwards, and you're a first child, just you know, <laughs> kind of a reconciliation. <laughs> she could be the proxy for yeah. yeah first child, you're always, how many of your first children? How many of you say your parents were hard on you? Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, you learn a lot, and I just. <laughs> I look back, and I just think, I wish that I had chose my battles, and by the time I got to the second, the third kid got it easier. But, you know, you make such an issue of the, they're wearing clothes that mitch match, or they w- don't want to wear their boots to school as they get older. They, they're, it's snowbanks and they want to wear their running shoes, and you, you're saying, no, you've you got to wear your boots. Or, you know, just so many issues that really aren't important, like eating your food. Like, if they don't eat a- <laughs> You know, my dad made my one brother sit there for an hour eating his peas and he was throwing up. And, and you know, like I look at it and I think, and even with, the, we lightened up a lot on that. But there's so many issues that really aren't important that don't matter. Like I think obedience is very important, teaching your kids obedience and respect for people and not killing their brother and <laughs> new things like that. But, you know, there's so many things that we, We get in conflict with our kids about things that really don't matter. And I think I learned, uh, you know, you got to choose your battles. And um, I guess the biggest thing I think you need to teach your kids, and I'm sure most of you are doing that or trying to do that, is to love God. And, you know, just really be intentional, reading them Bible stories, praying with them at night, bringing them to church. Even though it's hard, it'd be easier to stay home. I I can remember coming to church, and I'd spend most of the time in the nursery. And I'd go home, and I'd think, why did I come? I I was in the nursery the whole time, and I didn't get anything out of the service. But I think that discipline of bringing your kids to church, being a godly example, even though it takes effort, and the easy thing would not to be in, and I think we lead so much by example, and that's how they learn, you know. They always say actions speak louder than words. And I think our example and our commitment to God and our, you know, the lifestyle of them seeing you pray, them seeing you read the Bible, and, and that kind of thing, example is so important. And another thing I think about is consequences. Let them learn. This is somebody told us, and it was farther on in our journey as we were really having struggle. Our oldest kid was so strong-willed and seemed like, well, we did a lot of learning on him. But one one thing someone said to me, and I've never forgot, is let your kids learn the result of consequences on the small things instead of waiting until they get into bigger issues where when they really blow it, that, and have to learn their consequences on the big items. I'll just give you an example. Um, we, all of our kids had paper routes, and so one time, one of them was getting really slack at doing their papers, and we'd maybe go out and oh well, they got to get the papers, they're playing with their friends, let's go do their papers. And then we just decided, hey, they got to get the consequence here. They're, it's their job. Yes, often they're in a sport, so you maybe do their papers. So this one time... He didn't come home. He didn't do his papers. So somebody phoned up, where's your paper? We handed the phone to him and let him be responsible and tell the person why why they didn't get their paper. Or, and then he got out and delivered his paper. And I just think so often we want to spare our kids and make it easy for them. But they have to learn that there's consequences to what they do or what they don't do. And like the same with, like as parents, they disobey. You give them a consequence. And, you know, just... Some of these are really hard. It'd be easier. I don't know how many times I told my kids to clean their room, and, and then I went and cleaned it for them. You know, it's just, it's easier to do things yourself, but sometimes it's good for them to learn to do some things. Um, I wanted to put in a plug for Mom's Time Out. I look back, and I wish I'd had a mum's Time Out like we have we have such a good resource here. I'm a mentor mom, and I just see what awesome young moms we have, and how they support each other and share on their heart. Like, oh boy, I'm really struggling with this, and and we can pray together. We we have um, we have talks on parenting, different things, and it's great. Now I'm just going to try to hurry through the next two things. Um, One thing that's really helped me is God gave me a verse for my kids when, I don't, I can't remember when, but my verse is, all your sons will be taught of the Lord and great will be their peace, Isaiah 54, 13. And as we got into the teenage years, we, that's when the rubber really hit the road and we had two boys that got rebellious. Our oldest was really the strong-willed one. He started to make some bad choices, and it was really painful. Like, your heart just... You feel like a failure, like we talked about. You feel like such a failure as a parent, and... um, My husband didn't open his Father's Day one year for months, because he felt like such a bad father. He wouldn't open his card. That's how hard it was. But... That's when we really learned to pray. I was up many a night, waiting, because now you have cell phones, so you can always know where your kids are, but we didn't have cell phones. You'd wonder, well, what's he doing? What? You know, but you really learn to pray and call on God and to support each other. It's during the hard times in whatever. Maybe it's not with your kids. Maybe it's health issues. Maybe it's a loss of a job or whatever. But you really learn to pray and to call on God and, and see God work. Our our middle son was an easy kid to raise, and we didn't really have hard any issues with him. And then, like, our kids came to faith as young children, and it was great. Like, they accepted the Lord, and then... Our youngest son in high school got in with a bad crowd, and that was really difficult. Like, your friends are so important for young people, and he got in with a bad crowd, and I think he was about 14, and he came to us, and he says, Mom and Dad, I don't believe in your God, and I want nothing to do with him. So that really hurts. I think he didn't want to be accountable he wanted to live the kind of life he wanted and go out and party and do some other things that weren't good and that was his way of just saying I'm not gonna live by your standards I'm not gonna I'm not gonna follow God is basically what he said so those were some really hard years but God brought us through them and you just got to keep having faith love you have to love them, even in the hard times. And you have to be there for them. And, and, you know, you've got to pick up the pieces when they fall apart in sometimes, And, you know, love suffers long. Love is patient. Love is kind. And we did lose our temper. We did. We were bad parents so often, I think. But God covers that. And I just want to, I guess the main reason I agreed to do this Is because I have a lot of compassion for people that have trouble with their kids and I just wanted to say it's not the end of the story you just feel so hopeless sometimes in those situations but God is greater than that he's working in their lives even though he can't see it and I just want to say that all three of my sons are serving God Uh, my youngest son married a non-christian but I just got so blessed I got to lead her to the Lord and because she came to faith he got turned around, and he started to follow God. And my oldest son, when he was 22, he, or I think he was 23, he came to me, and he'd been going with a girl and actually living with a girl for a period of time. They broke up, and, and then he came to me, Mom, you know, I'd like to marry a Christian girl. And I says, Well, I'm not sure you're going to find her in the bar. And <laughs> <laughs> anyways, God was great. Just I'm
0: going to write that down. <laughs>
1: Anyways, well, anyways, God was good. He did marry a Christian girl, and our kids are serving God. And this morning, I was getting texts. We had another meeting, and my phone is, I was thinking, I should have shut my phone off, but it was my daughter-in-law's texting me saying, I'm praying for you this morning for what you're sharing. And yesterday, I was getting emails, Mom, we'll be praying for you. And it was another thing. I'm probably taking too long, but... um, (laughs) Another thing that just blessed me so much, at Jim's funeral, the kids said, you know, Mom, we want to take most of the funeral because we want to share what God meant and what Jim meant in our lives. And they got up and just shared how his faithfulness, his strong faith, his commitment to God, you know, and even through cancer and how much it had spoke to them and has impacted their life. And that's why I say your example is so important. And um, just hang in there when it gets bad and just keep praying and calling on God and, and he'll, it's really that verse, I can't of my own self do nothing. We can do nothing. We can't change their hearts. You know that boy that says I'm, I'm sitting down but I'm standing up inside. And so often we try to do the work of the Holy Spirit and God's the only one that can change their heart and give them obedient hearts and help them to make the right choices.
0: Wow, I think that is super hopeful for all of us. You know, you, you realize, again, we're always at different stages of, in our parenting, right, and, and different challenges, but I think that's, that's really hopeful. I was just even asking Sheldon this morning, I said, well, you're getting all these texts and emails of people saying they're supporting you today to tell people to persevere, even when the ones who are supporting you today were rotters. <laughs> I yeah. think, well, that is really a hopeful message. Um, Arlene, do you want to share a, a little bit, um, tell us a little bit about, um, talk about we want, one of the, st- the questions we got coming out was um, learning about facing aging. Uh, people, That was one of the questions people asked about what can they learn from people who are going on ahead of them in facing aging? And so that was one of the questions, and I, I think you've prepared a little bit to res- in a, of ideas about that. So would you share, share that with us?
2: Well, when I read that question, um, I have just started reading this book by Joan, what's Yeah. I don't want to say it, because I might say it wrong, and then I might have to get my mouth washed out with soap. (laughs) Anyhow, it's called The Gift of Years, Growing Old Gracefully, and uh, anyhow, um, anyhow, uh, in it she says, the gift of years is a gift, not a burden. And uh, she quoted uh, a man whose name was uh, E. M. Forrester, and he says, "We must be willing to let go of the life we had planned, so as to have the life that is waiting for us." And uh, I think sometimes, as as we're getting older, um, you know, uh, Doug and I always have a have a, a joke between the two of us that. Uh, when we retired, um, it didn't mean that we just got to go down to Arizona and sit in the sun. It meant we got new tires. We retired, and now we are getting ready to, for this new stage of life. And uh, and that was, you know, just after I had retired, just after I had, had found out I had cancer the first time. And... Um, and I know that um, some of the treatments and stuff that I've been taking and am taking right now um, has affected my abilities. I was so thankful that my son and daughter in law have been here uh, these last two weeks because my yard was an experimental dandelion farm. And uh, I'm looking after the bees. Um, anyhow, and, and I, it had just, it was overwhelming me and every joint was hurting and I couldn't get out there. And, uh, anyhow, so this book has really helped me because it's like, I have a, a thought in my mind as to what my old, what it's going to be like now that I'm, I'm older and it's changed a little bit and uh but I have to I have to embrace that life that is waiting for me uh, she went on to say we need to let go of our fantasies of eternal youth and our fears of getting older it is the last phase of life, the new stage, not non-life And I think of my dad when he was really ill those were the those are the times that his, he, I guess it, he became closer to heaven than to, than to earth. And this was his opportunity to say to his doctors, to the nurses that were looking after him, I know where I'm going, do you? And he did it in such a loving way that when he passed away, all the staff was crying because they just he had just meant so much to them. To them, because he would just showed love. He just showed Christ's love to them, and I, and I just said, "That's what I want to be like. When I get older, I want to. I want to be Christ." Where's my clinics? <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, um, and you know what? There is no retiring mentioned in the Bible not anywhere what is an older person to do well I have to laugh my mom's verses uh, when you are old they will put you uh, put you put out your hands and someone will ta- else will tie your belt and they will lead you where you do not want to go <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it's kind of like along the train the child <laughs> um, but when you're when you're older that is the time to do the mentoring. To, you, um, you, you know, uh, it's like when you have your grandchildren. Uh, that, uh, it's, there's that verse, that, or that, uh, not a verse, uh, saying that says, uh, if I had known grandparenting was this much fun, I would have had them first. Um, because we don't have that constant... Responsibility that parenting is, and you have to be consistent. There's, you know, it's not. Um, uh, it's and it's draining. It just, ta- you know, like some days you just feel like all I did was say, "Sit down, sit down, do this, do that," and you're such a grump. And uh, and as a, and 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 the kids go to bed and they go, oh, they, you know, they look so sweet, but oh, when they're awake, and. Uh, <laughs> And and when you're a grandparent, it's the it's your opportunity to take. Okay, I've gone through. I, I totally understand. This is my my chance to take some of that burden off you as a parent, and say I'm going to um, I'm going to just be with them, have play with them, spend some time with them. Um, you know, try to be that child that like they are, and not be the parent that you have to, that parents have to be.
0: Um. Yeah. You know, um, so we, we talked a little bit about parenting, and then we talked about new stages. I think one of the, the new stage realities is when you get to uh, sort of those empty nest years, right? So you maybe you've done that parenting, Doug, do you want to talk a little bit about the importance of uh, uh, maintaining your marriage through, the, through those years? Tell us a little bit about your, some of your thoughts on that.
3: What, one thing I just have to add, to about aging. Gracefully, we had a Mosaic Retirement Supper the other night, and it was a funny conversation we got into. There was about four of us about our knees bothering us a little bit, and was it better to have one knee replaced or both at the same time? Didn't see that discussion ever coming for a long time, but (laughs) I had to laugh about that one. One knee or both knees, you know, and some were doing good with both knees replaced at the same time. So anyways, but back to marriage. Uh, (laughs) uh, I'm just really thankful looking back on our years of marriage, uh, especially for this church, because some of the pastors... uh, I remember Brian Heaney putting on a a marriage retreat that we were able to get to. And when those come up, even if you have to travel a little bit, get to them. And because you you started as a couple, you'll have kids, a family, and you'll you'll end up as an empty nest as a couple. But those marriage retreats were literally priceless, and they came along at some of the times that... In fact, I was running sound for a women's retreat one weekend, and I came home and I I got the tapes because his his messages were just so powerful. And we would listen to them when we were driving somewhere, and they just really added to our marriage. And it and it just hit some interesting parts, like about you know like fantasizing this this woman that God has given you, she's it, she's a gift from God. And and that's it. Make it work, and it just hit me the other day where the bible challenges us to work out our salvation not work for it work it out and it just kind of hit me yeah and work out our marriage too you know we work on it try to like we move to the farm and one of our funny things is we occasionally go on a dump date <laughs> where we go to the dump that's our and one of the guys i met one day at the dump he said uh well you can go another step farther. You can you can pay five bucks at the Regina dump and take her there, you know. So, <laughs> so, so that's one of our interludes, you know. But keep keep uh, looking for flowers rather than just the dump date. But those those were some things like the marriage retreat, you know. Uh, those retreats, those times to get away together. Uh, we we even disappeared once to uh, uh, Hawaii for some time and and had our parents look after our kids and. And uh, it was just good, but just those, and, and keep it fresh. Right? wasn't keep
2: always fresh. great for the kids. Yeah. But that's okay. They survived. Yeah. They didn't have to go for too much counseling. Yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so there.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's a pretty big key, right? You want to end up uh, as friends after this whole experience together. Uh, I think you're hearing something definitely here. You're hearing the heart of a parent coming through all three of these different ones. and uh, But the, the reality of, this is not some sanitized world where you don't struggle or where you don't have uh, great disappointments that come along or you don't seem like all your efforts seem like they were in vain. Th- those are realities of parenting. And, uh, but it is, uh, again, the encouragement you need to keep going. Again, keep building your marriage, right? I remember uh, when my oldest brother got married, the ca- premarital counselor that he he, he and his fiance sat down with and said, so half the marriages are going to end in divorce and the other half are going to be unhappy. How are you going to be different? And he had no answer.
3: <laughs>
0: and he told me that when I was, I was like probably about 20 at the time. And I was like, what did you say? He said, I had no answer. I said, I don't have an answer either. And we're like, oh my goodness, there probably are answers, but we better figure out what they are. But you're hearing some of them this morning, right? You're hearing some of them. Take those opportunities. You think, oh, later, in the future. But you know what? You, wanna, uh, you don't want to be doing repair, you want to be doing maintenance in this area. It's really important. So I think just, again, when you hear wisdom like this, uh, put it onto your action plan for your own marriage or for your own relationship. Or if you're hearing anything about parenting, start making your plan glean, right? You want to be the wise one who doesn't repeat mistakes and who learns from wisdom? Glean while we go, okay? And I'm, I'm writing some stuff down for us, but uh, and I'm sure Marnie will write stuff down too, and we'll compare notes, and then we'll do what she wrote down. <laughs> um. <laughs> I hope we'll do some of what I wrote down. Anyhow... Shelda, do you want to tell us about, because I think we've already talked about aging, but uh, I remember when we chatted, you talked a little bit about how identity is, uh, is threatened when we age. Can you tell me a b- little bit more about that? Just explore that with us?
1: I guess what I was sharing a bit with uh, Steve is uh, my identity changed a lot when I lost him because you've lost your best friend. I quit, I was a nurse for a lot of years, and I quit nursing just a bit before Jim died so I could, you know, help look after him, so I felt, okay, I'm not a nurse anymore, I'm not a wife anymore, um, I'm not a couple anymore, like, where do I fit in, and I just felt I struggled with some identity issues trying to figure out, hey, what's my future, what am I supposed to be doing with my life, and, and some of these things, and, uh, I don't want to take a long time here, but we all have t- uh, times of uncertainty and transition. Maybe you lose your job, you, you, you know, you ha- you're divorced, and, and you've got to re-evaluate, re-eval- and I think the bottom line it comes down to, our identity has to be in Christ. He's there for us all the time, he's our solid rock, he's our salvation, he's our strength, he's... You know, people are going to leave us. People are going to disappoint us. But God is a firm foundation. And that's what the bottom line is. Our identity has to be in Christ. And we have to, um, you know, people can help us. I had a lot of support. I had a lot of help from the church here and a lot of prayer. And I really appreciate it. I really felt supported. But the bottom line, when I'm at home crying because I miss my husband, it's God that's there with me and he will be there. And I'm going to, I know we're just about out of time, so I just want to quickly tell you a couple things that have really worked for me. I made a decision when Jim died, I'm going to get up every day with God's help, and I'm going to be thankful for the things I do have left. I've got health, I've got a family that loves me, I've got a house, I've got I'm okay financially and I just so many things to thank God for and I said by your grace I'm going to live each day with a thankful grateful heart and I'm going to try to say God what have you got for me to do today and you know get the focus off myself try to see what I could do for others and some days I maybe didn't do that but that was one thing another thing is I struggled with some real worry issues my youngest son Just around the time Jim died, he got asked to go to California, move his family to California. And I was struggling so much with worry and anxiety and stuff because I didn't really think it was maybe a good decision. But, I mean, your kids make their decisions. God really came through, and I I know it was God's will because he just made it really clear. But I was struggling. So what I did was I got the Bible out, and I made a whole bunch of cards with uh, verses on them like be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication make your requests trust in the lord lean not unto your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path and i was praying that for my kids but i really found that helped and even now I wake up in the night, which often I do, I, and if I'm concerned about something, I get my cards out. And you can do this. Say, if you've got anger, if you've got whatever issue or fear, whatever issue you're fa- facing, the word of God is a firm foundation. Write out some cards. Go get your, I, I brought two or three here. And even just as I was in church before I came up here, I was saying, I can do all things through Christ to strengthen me. The peace of God will ruin my heart and mind, you know, the power of God's word when you're in a situation. Okay, I'm just about done. Um, Don't try to do it alone. Reach out to people. Get on the phone. You've got family, you've got friends and don't isolate yourself. Sometimes that's what we do. We're depressed or we're struggling, and we just don't want to be around people. That's the time you need people all the more. So reach out. There's resources. There's people to help you. And then the last thing I wrote down is to keep your eyes on Jesus, whatever situation you're on. in. Like you think of Peter. He got out in faith on the water, and as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, he didn't sink. But when he took his eyes off Jesus, he sunk. And it's the same with us in our lives. We go through hard times. We're not promised that we're, we've got an easy thing. But we keep your eyes on Jesus and get your strength from him. Get in the word of God. Um, uh, I think I've said enough.
0: <laughs> I think I could listen to you all afternoon. I love it. I love it. I, I feel like you guys are downloading so much good stuff to us here. And I appreciate, you know, I appreciate the... Do you you sense this, the the, the, uh, challenge of being this vulnerable? Uh, And I think all of us get that. Uh, Again, we're not presenting people as those who've arrived, but we're all fellow strugglers in these same journeys, right? And I'm glad that those who are ahead of me in the journey can share stuff that I can glean from. And I've uh, written quite a bit here today that I'm going to take away and that my wife and I will chat about. I hope you did too. I hope you wrote some stuff down. You took away something where you say, okay, it's that thing, right? You know, I wrote Wednesday night, date night. We're going to talk about that, okay? (laughs) Wednesday night, date night. I think it's a thing we could do. All right? So whatever you wrote, take something concrete away. Think, again, when you come to church, I hope the seed of the word or wisdom or what it gets passed on here finds good soil in your heart and in your life.